everybody. Welcome once again. This is Deconstructing the Psyche. This is your host, Michael. Hey everyone, this is Eamon. And yeah, welcome to another week. It's a beautiful evening out. Father's Day. Father's Day weekend. <laughs> How's everyone doing? <laughs> it sounds like a promotional for Father's Day. Are you, yeah, you going to get on the radio sometime soon? I think we should get sponsors by now. Uh, <laughs> we have to do some more work. We have to we have to put the hustle and the flow in, you know. We'll be like Joe Rogan, just like in the middle of the show, like cut to like yeah. the commercial break and go to our sponsors. Nobody Eventually, wants to hear that. People would turn off instantly if we started doing that. I think we'll do it at the end of the show. Yeah, you got your you had a big Red Bull right now, so you're feeling energized, I, ca- caffeinated, sugarized. I'm highly caffeinated and ready to go. I'm ready to talk about today's, um, today's, uh, I guess movie, right? I think it's a movie. (laughs) What? I think it's a movie. (laughs) Yeah, it's a movie. Clockwork Orange. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So this is the first time you've seen this movie, right? I saw it when I was young. Okay. Um, just like the way I usually watch movies when Uh I'm younger, just copy, just like sustain some attention and then do other things. Yeah. This time around, I sat through the whole film and watched it. Okay. What was that? Because I've seen this numerous times before. What was that like for you to watch (laughs) this movie all the way through, paying attention to it the whole time? Shocking. Someone's shocking. Certain scenes in the film. Yeah. Or uh, they were going for that, but it was quite disturbing to watch certain scenes in the film. For sure. Um, The large penis statue attacking a woman (laughs) is one. (laughs) A lot of sexuality a lot of nudity a lot Mm -hmm. of phallic images exactly yeah a little over the top at times somewhat traumatic as well yeah Yeah. but i thought this was a fascinating movie and i'm really excited to talk about it because there's a lot of really interesting psychological themes i think in this movie yeah there are uh yeah so i guess the way i wanted to start this off was talking about a couple themes and then maybe we'll work our way around a little bit in terms of uh, other aspects of the movie we want to talk about. But the thing that kind of stuck out to me the most is the idea of objects. Mm, Okay. And so I'm thinking in two separate senses. One in that they're kind of living in an objectified world. Mm. And so maybe objectified means where people are seen as things or people are seen as objects okay. and they're not seen as people as much. And so I think this is a big theme that runs throughout numerous Kubrick films is people being dehumanized in a way mm. and being put into positions where they're not really people anymore. So I, I'm thinking objectified in that way, but then objectified or maybe a better word for it is the objective world and the importance or the stress that's put on the objective world in this movie. Mm. And what I mean by that is objective in the sense that the subjective stance of each individual person is uh, devalued and not really paid attention to or respected and that the objective idea or consensus opinion, if you will, is what matters the most. And so, mm, okay, I don't know. I'm just gonna put that out there. Makes sense. What do you? Is there anything that sticks out to you right away from me putting those ideas out there? I mean, what resonates with me is really the idea of. A society then using a person for its own benefits and maybe society those who are in charge of society um mm-hmm. th- in that instance of the film right those who have the power yep in this uh context would be the government and then the pressures that they place upon people of society mm-hmm. and one of the first scenes there is a moment where after they leave the milk bar um there's an transient on the floor yep and the camera pans into the liquor bottle right beer Mm -hmm. and the transient is singing 
mm-hmm. you know, someone, I mean, one could say you're just singing happy. Mm-hmm. Right. But then I think it reflects even with, even with today's theme about society today, right. That in, in that type of arena, there's a person who's laying down, just drinking, enjoying life. And then these, these boys who are sort of counterculture, you know, are just walking along and they, they start to assault the man. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but there's something about that scene that stood out to me, you know? In uh, what sense? I'm just going to stick to the surface for now. Now, maybe I'll come up with it afterwards. But okay. it's really, the person is just laying down, minding his own business. Somewhat happy, but like, just drinking, you yeah. know? Yeah. And these other guys are drinking milk. Yeah. You know, and he's drinking alcohol. These guys, I, I guess there's something about milk now that's coming up for me. There's something about milk that's supposed to be innocent, mm. you know, for children, mm-hmm. babies, mm-hmm. you know, and this older guy down on his luck, but he's drinking al- alcohol. By Teddy's standards, it's not hard alcohol, it's just beer. Yeah. But he's just drinking beer. Yeah. Um, washing away his sorrows, singing his sorrows away. For sure. And these guys who don't really care about that attack him, not knowing what this other guy's going through. Yeah. Right, no, he's no, kind no. of what? down on the world too, right? I think yeah. he says a couple lines about exactly how he can't believe where the world is at this point, and that people don't have any respect anymore yeah. for. I think he says something about yeah. mor- moral law or something similar to that. I think that's what sets the tone for the rest of the film, though. <clears throat> when he talks about that, there's no moral respect or moral law just these guys who now are in a way pretend to be yeah. um yeah. functioning in society although they they are in a way defective yeah right but so, they can function in society just not at night they end up being druids is what yeah. he calls them but yeah. I, I would describe them as ghouls in a way yeah so would you see would you say that they see the man the transient as an object when they decide to beat him down i would say a thing that they can play with or do whatever they want to i mean then that talks about the same reflection that we talked about earlier whereas they are a reflection of the government mm. right the oppressive government and they're oppressing someone who they see as beneath them yeah so that's what they're doing then in a way they're projecting what their own experiences are onto the old man who is yeah. actually beneath them as yeah. an, and they hold call power it, over him in some way. So lately I've been reading about children <clears throat> at a certain age and when they start to, I guess, in developmental age, they learn first how to manipulate objects. Mm. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's sort of the functioning that they're at at that point where they're behaving as if they are children. Again, the milk, drinking mm. milk at a milk bar. Uh, I'm not sure if the milk has alcohol in it, but they're, they're there, they're drinking it. Right. Yeah. And, Sort of for me, they're, they're children in a way, yeah, and they're functioning as children yeah. because then now they are manipulating <clears throat> objects, and children typically manipulate objects and communicate through symbols. That's one of the first ways that they learn how to communicate. Yeah, yeah, and the in the milk bar, one one of the primary things we see are these statues mm-hmm. of naked women, right, on all fours and mm-hmm. kind of in sexually suggestive positions. And it's it's supposed to be art, but those are those are what I'm referring to earlier as objectifications too. They're objectifying women and putting them in places that make them seem as their things, as their objects, objects that can be utilized for whatever purposes you may desire. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's even related then to some of your what you're talking about right now about childhood and and uh infancy and that it's whatever you can do whatever you want with whatever is in front of your eyes and you don't have to have any regard for who the person is yeah that's definitely what it looks like when they have their feet placed upon the women right yeah they use them as chairs and i mean yeah they use them as stools Mm -hmm. to place their 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 drinks on or their feet on and then they get the milk from the the breast the breast right oh yeah <laughs> is that not object relational in a way good breast or bad breast yeah so was a so that's an interesting thing that you're bringing up right now right now is 
object relations, which is a form of psychological theory, right? Yeah. And so how can you encapsulate object object relations or <laughs> is there a way to relate that to this movie? Because we're, we're starting to talk about the objects and that's kind of what I brought up. So I'm wondering I mean, if that relates in, in any way. From what I know about object relations is there's a schizoid position, <clears throat> depressive position. I think there's another one. Right. And there's different positions and those positions talk about developmental functioning Mm. um, in an adult and a child. Right. But we we go from one or the other. Right. We can be in the depressive position or schizoid position. I think there's another one. Okay. Um, What I do get from how I relate that to the breast, at least, is that at one point a child thinks their mom is all good. Right, so that's where you receive nurturance and and sustenance from. Yeah, the, that's what gives you life in a way. Yeah, because the idea was that a child would only understand their mother through the breast. Mm. Right, so from the breast you get nourishment, like you said, but then the mom takes the breast away or the teat away, and then the child thinks, okay, this is not a good breast; it's a bad breast. Yeah. So this sort of develops that. Um, sort of strict way of thinking about things mm, black and white all or nothing yeah you know so it's, things are either good all good or all bad yeah for sure how that relates to our character alex is that i think in a way he functions in one way where it's all good mm. or all bad but he seems to be all bad mm-hmm. well at least at night mm-hmm. so i think there's even some relationship to the way he behaves at night and during the day because mm. during the day he knows how to function with his family yeah you know he knows what to say to manipulate them yeah. and get his way so he knows how to function in society, somewhat all good. Mm-hmm. But then he has that manipulative behavior yeah. where he can be all bad. Interesting. Only shown at night, though. He, yeah. Again, like I'll use this word, strong word, rape. He can he rapes a woman yeah. at night. He becomes yeah. a druid at night. Yeah. He puts his uh, mascara on. Yeah. Right. That eyeliner. Eyeliner on. He wears his his outfit. Mm. He becomes the druid. The gang yeah. leader that he is at yeah. night, yeah. which is interesting. But then during the day, takes everything off. Yeah. He, he becomes uh, Alex again. He's part of society. Part of society the during the day. He's almost normal. Yeah. But I'm sure there's some relationship between the different positions, between mm-hmm. one or the other. <clears throat> between, you know, a schizoid and a repressive position okay. as well. Yeah. Yeah, and he's also... His parents say that he's out all night and he's Helping supposed people. to be, yeah, he's supposed to be working and doing uh, socially pro social things, but he's actually gallivanting around and getting in fights and hurting people all night long, right? Exactly. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's kind of the first, the first part of this film is focused on Alex and kind of his behaviors and what he's doing and i think how he looks at other people as objects or things that he can do whatever he wants to do with them i mean he even treats his fellow gang members like that uh, in the beginning too right where they start to try to um kind of confront or step up in relation to him and he continues to do whatever he wants and he kind of knocks them into the lake and cuts one of the guy's hands and put, tries to put them back in their place. So he's, he's treating them as things or objects, um, within his gang as well. Yeah. They're for him to manipulate, um, part of object relations too. um, from what I was just reading Mm -hmm. is that, um, it's about internalizing the objects too. Mm -hmm. So we see people, as objects but we internalize them as well as internal objects and through our internal way of understanding the world do we now see the world as the objects inside of us Mm. that comes from our relationship between our our parents right yeah we integrate both aspects or interject both aspects of our parents yeah the interesting thing about that if we're really breaking down alex is he seems like he had a good upbringing so at what point did he end up being this person who starts to project these really negative qualities and features onto the world. Mm. But I mean, I think we're talking also about the external as well. The external does affect the person society from what we're talking about, at least in the film, 
um, may have taught him how to manipulate the objects or manipulate others or treat ob- others yeah. as objects for his own um, gain. For sure. We see this again when he goes to the record store, meets two women, and is led really by the libido to engage in sexual activity with both women. Yeah. It seems like for hours on end he does yeah. this. Yeah. No, I, I mean, and I, I think this is you're right on and this is kind of leading into the uh, the rest of the film in that when Alex basically when Alex gets arrested mm-hmm. and he goes to prison from then on we're seeing what you're just talking about in that society is or at least the society that he's living within which is not, probably not too far from some aspects of society currently and at that time in right. the Western Westernized culture mm-hmm. is that society is part of the reason that Alex sees other people as objects and things because society itself is treating people as objects and things. Well, that's one of the things I, I did write about in my dissertation, which was, um, about how social media affects, mm. um, at least in the dissertation, was Latino voters, but also how social media affects overall people. Yeah. Right. But social media is also this place where one can share their ideas or influence other people. Yeah. So my idea was basically that we interject mm. objects. Mm-hmm. Um, as related to the film, I think Alex interjected or took on himself. Um, certain ideas and values placed on him by society. Sure. The thing about interjection is now that we have these thoughts or impressions upon ourselves is that that's when we share it with other people. Yeah. One way we can notice this in interjection would be when we're maybe working in a corporate arena or somewhere where there are many people. Um, and we, I, we can implement one word. Let's mm-hmm. say the word is change during my, in my dissertation, the word was change or make America great again. Mm-hmm. Meaning if I put that term inside society, how does that affect the whole society? Yeah. Um, well, it's a, those are sim- symbols. Those are symbols. Symbolic sayings because they don't really mean much. They have to be interpreted in some way. Exactly. So my argument was change can mean the one in my pocket mm. or change can mean hey, what comes with the idea of change during that presidential election, which meant inclusivity, it meant, um, uh, yeah, inclusivity. Well, Amer- progressivism. A- progressive liberalism. Yeah. Well, make America great again meant, hey, there's something wrong with change. Let's change it to just all- us. We yeah. need to focus on American idealism, mm. old Ronald Reagan thoughts. Mm-hmm. So then we bring back those old thoughts into society today, which yeah. now we create sort of a discrepancy between one side or the other. Now, I was going with, in any arena, you can say, I can put one word in any environment. But if I have one person who's highly influential, they can affect the rest of the environment. Definitely. By just using that word. But we another way we notice this too within ourselves is, is if we start to pick up the mannerisms. Mm. The way a person walks, the way a person moves, the way a person enunciates words. By doing so, we were sort of mimicking, copying. We're mimicking, correct. And we're also showing some sort of um, liking towards the person. It's a form of flattery. Yeah. Mimicry imitation. is a form of flattery, so it's imitation. But then we say, hey, that looks good on them. Let me put that upon yeah. myself. Yeah. Going with the character of our film, I think, in a way, is not just not a form of flattery, but I think a form of power and control mm. to take on that idea of, hey, if I manipulate these objects, they work for me. How do I feel? Does that increase my strength yeah, in definitely. terms of my ego? And we see that he had a huge ego during that time. He had these druids. He, his ego was so large that he took advantage of women and even men. Raped a woman in front of her husband. Yeah. Right. Um, struck a woman with a statue. Mm. Right. The the phallus. Yeah. Yep. He harmed her with yep. that. For but her. I think he thought he had that large phallus and he was the one in control. He overpowered her and harmed her with it. But those are the, the phallus can be seen as the symbol in terms of what you're talking about then of trying to gain dominance or power oh, over yeah. another person. And he, he yielded it. Yeah. Right. He, he moved it, waved it around, and then struck her in the face mm. with it. And he had the 
the cane. The, I had the cane, and he also had the mask with the long nose. So it's, he had like three phallic symbols in that scene. <laughs> but yeah, for him, he's depicting mm. what he views in society. He's he's in a way projecting that onto yeah. another person. Yeah. The thing about that kind of trauma, in terms of how he's using his sort of in integration of society or interjection mm. is that now he places that trauma or that experience onto the women that he's harmed or even yeah. the men. Yeah. What happens in that regard is, is these people take on these traumatic events, I think, mm-hmm. and they are now forced to either contain it, mm-hmm. right? Keep it in my anger. Cause I think a part of what he's experiencing is his own anger with society. Yeah, definitely. Why else would you express yourself in that way? So yeah, cause he, he's just doesn't give a fuck. Does he, not give a he's, fuck. He's throwing, you know, kicking trash around in his own apartment building and walking around like nothing matters. You know, he doesn't have any interest in helping society in the least. Fuck no. He wants to harm society, destroy it. Yeah. So by him acting out, it's him acting out his anger towards society, mm-hmm. right? Um, and what maybe what society has done to him in a way because society is acting the same way. But right. That, so if society's done that to him, now he does that to people in society. Yeah. The people who are victims of him now are either forced to say, okay, what do I do with this anger? Because yeah. I'm angry at yeah. him, but he's a product of society. Do yeah. I harm somebody else? But do it's I, all a cycle. It is a cycle. And that's what I'm saying. Do I harm somebody else or do I stop the, the, the pain or the trauma that, that I'm experiencing by yeah. talking to somebody, by doing something to help, you know, yeah. less privileged young men yeah. who, who, who are victims of the greater society. Yeah. But that's part of the problem with what you just said about him talking to somebody is that nobody's really offering that. I mean, even his teacher who comes to see him. Exactly. That was seen stood out to me. Very aggressive. And he, I mean, he's, he's, he, he's acting like he's somebody who cares, but he's, forcibly holding him down on the bed right and trying to say i think he says something about i'm the only one who is even interested in you changing at this point not even you are and this guy's kind of taking on all the responsibility for himself but you see how that's driven him to kind of act violently towards alex right that but i also felt that there was some homo homo sexual behavior eroticism yeah exactly he does place his hand on his hand over his penis he doesn't touch his penis um alex is cupping his penis right um in that scene he's wearing underwear he's laying on the bed with his teacher teacher forces him down they're both laying on the side of each other once he's done with the spiel he places his hand over his hand on top of alex's penis and it's an awkward scene and it's sexual in a way but then you say you see something else at that moment I mean, that's child abuse. Well, yeah, um, but you see something else in that moment that even the teacher is a victim of this society as well because he doesn't have his own outlet for maybe his homosexual Mm, impulses. Maybe. That he places them, places his care upon someone like an Alex, even visits his home, right? Without even being let in, I guess. Mother gave him a key. Mother gave him a key. That's strange. Yeah, but we we see that in, in this film, there's often themes of people taking advantage of other people mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. yeah so that maybe that's a good segue then into one of the scene that happens after he's arrested is him in the prison cell and so this mm-hmm. is another example of not only what you just talked about in terms of violence but also none of the people there trying to listen to him or talk to him or understand they're basically just trying to condemn him and getting back to what I was referencing earlier about objects is this is kind of where we start to see the higher up people and authorities in society putting labels on him. And so they're saying things like you are a murderer now. And it's, it, it just sticks out to me when they say that, because they're saying, this is your title. You are now a murderer. There's no way out of it. (laughs) This is going to stick with you. And that's a objectification right there. You're stigmatizing somebody, you're labeling them, you're saying, you're telling them what they are in one sentence. Mm -hmm. And this is kind of what's going to be going on for the rest of this movie in terms of putting people in boxes and telling them what 
the case is based off of the authority. And so the police in this instance are the authority. They're the ones who get to determine who you are and what you will be. And you have no choice in the matter anymore, right? Yeah, it's their justice system is the one defining them as, you know, the the criminal, the monster, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. And through that definition, then we have what happens next in the film, right? He goes to prison. He, you know, he goes to prison, but what happens next is that... Well, let's, go, let's do the prison you want to do first. The, okay, go ahead. Because, I mean, there's... Yeah. A, there's I, this scene just blew me away. The one where he goes to prison and they're inventorying everything. Mm. I mean, go ahead. How, much, how much more of an object can you be in that scene? Explain your, explain, <laughs> explain your idea. Well, they bring him it. in and yeah. it's like, okay... Your number now is eight five five two two three. I don't know what the number is, but it's like six numbers long. That's all they refer to him for the rest of the time that he's in prison is by your number. Yeah, you're no long. You no longer have a name. You're a number. And then going through all of his items, these are the things. These are they're all things that we're looking at right now, and these are what define you and define who you are right now. Are these things that we're taking out of your pockets, and then bend over. Make me, let me look up your butt. Yeah, cough. This, yeah. yeah, cough. But that that's in there. He's being objectified. He's yeah. being put in a position where he's not human anymore. Not only that, he has to stand behind the yellow, the arbitrary yellow line yeah. and listen to whatever rules and regulations this prison has come up with, no matter what. And if you don't, then something bad's going to happen to you. I mean, just that whole scene is just packed with all this kind of stuff I'm talking about, about uh, objects and objectifications. But you know what that does to the ego, right? What? He had this huge chip on his shoulder. Yeah. Huge ego. Yeah. Huge thought that he would never get caught. Mm. You know, he thought he was the shit. Mm-hmm. He actually was the shit. Mm. Had a control of his gang. But now he's reduced, when in prison, reduced to just being a number. He's nothing. He's nothing. And that is the point of that, to have control over him. Yeah, for he's sure. He's more so an object now than he was when he was free. For At sure. least from freedom, he could do whatever he wants. He wasn't an object. At least he didn't think he was, but he was objectifying others. Yeah. As if to say, when you're free, you can take advantage. Yep. Right? But when you're in prison, now you're under full control of the greater authority. Yeah. Yep. You have no say in who you are mm-hmm. you're just like everyone else here and i think that's really what he needed yep. to realize hey like something's wrong yeah you know i'm not functioning in society like i'm supposed to be yeah right yeah and the wardens and the guards are the ones who make those determinations and they can basically say whatever they want and tell you whoever you are you are yeah. and there's no questions about it you don't have any choice and and uh, anymore. And I think choice is another topic we need to get onto. But so, what were you going to say though before we got onto this idea about the prison? You were kind of jumping ahead a little bit in the story, right? We should just stick with the prison for now. Well, and I don't know. If there's too much more. I mean, I th- I think that scene also when they were walking around in the prison yard and it's kind of like an enclosed space and they're just walking in circles is another good what about representation of these they're just animals at that point like let's just go outside and walk in a circle with no direction and no purpose what about <laughs> what about the part before he goes to prison he's being um and uh interrogated yeah he is the guy the cop kind of beats him up yeah but i feel like even in those scenes he does still have that chip on his shoulder. He can say what he wants. He still has some autonomy. He's trying. He's he thinks he does because he hasn't been in this position yet, right? Yeah, and he was lying. He's trying to lie his way out, mm-hmm. saying that he was jumped or you know harmed, and it wasn't really his fault. He was forced into committing the crime. Yeah, I, I, I don't <clears throat> think he saw things for the severity that they were. No, right? Definitely not. But then that to me th- speaks about even the fantasy. In his mind that he was creating the fantasy yeah, he had a lot of fantasy uh products and dreams that we were seeing yeah directly right yeah and a lot of imaginative whipping thinking. jesus christ <laughs> what do you think that means i mean he had a lot of dreams about hurting other people 
Yeah, he did. And dreams about domination and power over others. What do you think he feels and inside? Because then if you have these dreams of dominating other people and you actually act them out, internally you only do that when you're, I think you feel repressed in a way. Yeah, I mean, if you want to look into it in a psychodynamic perspective, you would have to imagine that he had been put in positions of uh, weakness and inferiority in his youth where he didn't have any power and where he was kind of like held without any strength. And so this is kind of his reaction to that. Mm. That's what my first guess would be. I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good way of looking at it. Yeah. Okay. So we have the prison and then he ends up kind of being in there for a while and he's, he's kind of just going through the motions I, I do think the scenes with the um, priest are interesting because the priest who kind of takes a liking to him, it's probably the only uh, character in the film who has a, he's kind of like the moral voice of the film. And he's the only one who's advocating for Alex and saying that you're kind of taking away his freedom of choice by putting him into this experiment and that he's no longer going to have choice. And even if he wants to continue doing bad, mm-hmm. that's at least something that he can choose to do. And I, and I think that he's a very important character in this movie because he's, he's reminding us that, yeah, maybe society has this idea of getting rid of evil and kind of deleting it out of our, our bodies somehow, which is, seems impossible about trying to block out all evil aspects of ourself but maybe that is inhumane like they say at the end of the movie because you're not allowing the person to choose whether they want to be good or bad anymore you're making them try to be good as opposed to be bad yeah i feel like you you can't force ideology on upon a person Mm. You know, and well, it doesn't work. It didn't work with him, right? No, they he tried. ends up, well, he ends up at the end having a fantasy about sex and violence, and it's obvious that none of the brainwashing actually worked. No, you can't like. It he, just made him averse to it. It made him sick to it. Yeah, he was conditioned, <clears throat> right? Conditioned. But it didn't change who he was. That's the thing. You can't. I mean, that's internal, right? That's really internal. He he can have maybe a conditioned response mm. to like the. The violence yeah. that he, he views and yeah. that's what was happening yeah. in later scenes right yeah um it kind of makes me think about what's that drug that they give people who want to stop drinking alcohol uh it starts with a d that's i don't know but it, it's basically like a pill from delafrom or something okay but you take it and then it makes you sick yeah from the alcohol they're but coming it, up with one for cannabis as well. Okay, but yeah, it, it's it's exactly the same thing because you're not changing your motivations. You're not changing your underlying nature and oh. the understanding you have of yourself or the world. You're just providing a temporary uh, condition response to that that stimulus and it's going to help you on the short term, but you you're going to become reliant on that for the rest of your life. And it doesn't really change the person that you are. It seems like for some people they need that. It could, they need could that. I'm not denying the, that the short term, you know, um, but you're right. Like it could help. I mean, perhaps Alex is not going to hurt anybody anymore because he can't, but it doesn't speak to, the bigger human issue of, you know, is this, what are we doing to ourselves and how much are we trying to force ourselves to do things as opposed to trying to choose to do things for Alex? I mean, the way he was conditioned was pretty gruesome, right? Oh yeah. But we'll talk about that, um, further, but the point I want to make is really when one is conditioned for one thing in terms of Alex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's adverse now to committing crimes or the kind of crimes he's committed before, even violence, he's yeah. adverse to it. Yeah. 
but there's a dysfunction there with him because this probably his true nature is to be that way now right and the dysfunction was what we saw later in the film where he jumps out the window mm-hmm. it's, it's as if he's saying i can't survive like this anymore yeah. so the computer the machine malfunctions oh yeah the person that's malfunctions. What, I'm, that's what i'm talking about yeah the person malfunctions and the only way they see out is what he attempted to do mm. was to you know jump out the, the building and you know end it mm-hmm. and and the suffering because there is a suffering between one and the other there's an incongruence with who he really is yeah right how he sees himself as who he really is and what society had placed upon him which is hey you can't commit these crimes or you can no longer exhibit these these impulses anymore because mm-hmm. they were you know sadistic violent impulses yeah. that he was exhibiting right yeah they're a problem for society you're but no not, longer you're no longer a productive member. You need to be corrected. He was corrected. Yeah. And in that correction, it went so far that when he was sensitive, you know, desensitized uh, to Beethoven in a way or adverse mm. to Beethoven, mm. he decided to try to end his life, right? Yeah. Um yeah. but the bigger issue is can society, you know, place these conditions upon you? Should society even have a say as to how you make choices? You know, you have free will, and the priest stood as a thought of that. Yeah, you know, you kind of represented that. Right? He represents free will. God is about that. Everyone has free will. You mm-hmm. have the choices. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a part of what the film is saying too. Is like everyone has a choice to live the life they want to live. Mm-hmm. You know, but we can't tell you how to live your life. You know, it becomes ultimately your choice. But will your choice affect, will will your choice be accepted by the larger parts of society like laws? Yeah. Possibly not in terms of Alex. And that's why he was arrested. That's where it should have stayed. Yeah. But it went further into, well, let's push you further, right? Into experimentation so we can, you know clean you or cleanse you of mm. your illness mm-hmm. and sort of talk themes of sort of the old uh um puritan ideologies oh, yeah. right for sure right or even old christian ideologies yeah. of they say the 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 woman psychiatrist says to him lines about what is it? what is the line i have to look this up okay mm-hmm. yeah, go ahead it's uh, it's it's very much very much along those lines. So while you looked that up, for me, you know, Puritan ideology was that, right? We are imposing our views or colonial views upon you. Yeah. You know, the Native Americans or, you know, the other ones, other societies who were colonized, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, Christian ideology and Christian values are placed upon them. Yeah. They thought they were the, the, the right of law, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And so they place all these ideas upon society but they didn't function with the natives or the indigenous they also were highly violent towards the natives they were yeah so they imposed they they didn't like what the indigenous people were doing but they ended up doing it themselves to get rid of them they called the indigenous as savages Mm. they viewed them as savages even though they were the savages themselves without looking at their own savagery exactly right and they 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 thought their, their their religion was the only way. It was enlightening. Enlight- yeah. The enlightenment yeah. for them, right? They it were was a light. They were the intellectual and uh, people who knew better, maybe. The only problem was that is that they don't take the time to really understand okay themselves uh, no not just themselves but the, the, those in that society of how do they survive without yeah, the things sure. that we have sure. you know earlier i was talking about yali's question on the from the book gun germs and steel mm. right people have ways they survive on the land mm. but it seemed like in those situations they didn't care for that it was more about taking the resources the gold yeah that they have yeah. right um in terms of our character alex what was society taking from him? What? Why did they need to take that from him? Mm. You know, his behavior. What was it about him that just didn't function in society? Was it the violence? Yeah. Because, well, go yeah. ahead. I mean, so I think, so I found that quotes, mm-hmm. the, the woman says, one is, violence is a very horrible thing. And then she also says, the healthy respond to hateful to the hateful with fear and nausea. 
And so it's like this idea that the healthy people or the pure Puritan people, like you're kind of referencing that they hate, uh, they hate hateful things, you know, hateful things are bad and we must do away with them at all costs. They are disgusting. Hateful yeah. things are disgusting. Yeah. Yeah. And you must not, we must not tolerate these things and we must not like the, these things. But, you know, even in the words that I'm using to describe all this and maybe the words that they're using, you're preaching hate through that terminology. You're preaching that, you know, you must get rid of other things and you must do away with it. It's like, how do you do away with things? It's usually through force and violence Yeah, and people are not, I guess they don't understand that they do some mental jujitsu on themselves, I guess. To me, what sort of resonates with what you said is they're not taking the time to get to know Alex. Oh, and then not sort at all. of like how even, well, cause Alex, I think Alex is when they look at Alex and what he's done, it reminds them of parts of their own unconscious that they were not willing to look at. And so because they hate that they, yeah. So they can, they're not willing to look in their own unconscious minds and he's a, he's a reminder of that. And so he needs to be changed and reformed because that's, that's something that they cannot tolerate. We've talked about the theme of the shadow before in the previous podcast, uh, face off. And and one scene where Alex is now you know apparently cured from his his harmful criminal behavior, a woman comes in on stage naked. Yeah. Um, all this is being displayed to an important figure, of right, not the warden, but there was someone else, right, wearing yeah. just a suit. Right? I think he's like the secretary of of state or something. He's like a high political position. This is the same guy that comes to his hospital bed at the end of the movie. Okay. So things are being displayed to him. A young woman new in the nude yeah. would so arouse any man. Breast- this is another objective show too, right? Right. Like we need to have some objective proof that this guy has been cured. Exactly. And so this man is being aroused by this, right? He's looking at this woman, breasts her out. And Alex is looking at her and he's even saying in his narration, I wanted her on the floor and give her the old in and out, Yeah, you know? Yeah. But he can't. Mm-hmm. He looks at her and he's like disgusted. Mm-hmm. He, he can't do it. His impulses to, to act yeah. are no longer there because they cause him fear, mm-hmm. you know? And in a way, the crowd was pleased. The yeah. political, the yeah, top political were, figure was yeah. pleased because this person is no longer exhibiting yeah. this dark impulse. Yeah, yeah. He's controlling his own yeah. dark impulses. Whereas you see the political figure kind of enjoying the show with oh, yeah. the woman. But there's also something in that observance as well. <clears throat> enjoying the show. Enjoying Alex's suffering. And I think that's what they were looking at too, right? Mm-hmm. It's the fact that now we have control over him. Mm. The dark impulse is now controlled. But I enjoy that. That could but, be part of it, yeah, for but sure. But that's also dark in a way. Mm-hmm. Right? There was a study done... A long time ago, and you know, we've we've been taught this in our in our beginning psychological courses, where there is a experimenter, the researcher, a student, or the volunteer, and another volunteer on the other side of a room, and the one of the volunteers is supposed to get, administer a shock, mm-hmm. right, an electrocution, <clears throat> and they have a dial. You you move the dial up and electrocute the oh, other yeah. person, right? Okay. So my professor, psychology professor, says this. He's like, I always found it interesting that when we're watching the study, it's not, not what the, the person does, because in terms of authority, we usually comply with authority figures. Mm. We sometimes do what we're told without really thinking about mm. it because we want to please the authority figure. Mm. We, we respect their opinion. Mm. But he says the most interesting thing for him to observe is that when the shock is being administered, the students tend to smile. Mm. They tend to laugh. They get some pleasure out of it. There's pleasure out of yeah. watching someone in pain. So the top well, political figure, I think he enjoyed, and definitely. most of them did, even the exper- even the experimenter, definitely um, the one who experimented on Alex, enjoy the fact that now the darkness is contained. Yeah. And, yeah. But they're not seeing the reality that 
Alex is actually in pain. Well, there's that's another big part of the second half or a second part of this film after he goes to prison is the pleasure that everybody's getting out of his pain. And so it's not only with that experimentation and the show there, it's also with his old droogies when Mm -hmm. they become policemen and when they take him and nearly suffocate him to death. It's with the old man and the other homeless people who attack him in the alley. And then it's especially apparent in the scene with the man in the wheelchair when they put him in that room and are making him listen to the music. Mm -hmm. And there's a very uh, particular scene or shot where it's the guy in the wheelchair, his like really buff friend and the other two people that came with him. And they're just standing in a room and just listening. And they're just kind of, it's almost like it's a curiosity for them. And they're, and they're fascinated by this guy who's writhing in pain upstairs. And yeah, like that's a big part of this second half of this film is people getting pleasure out of other people's pain and suffering. Right. So we go back to the idea of, you know, Alex caused harm to these people, mm-hmm. right? The mm-hmm. homeless man, his druids, the man in the wheelchair, and he raped his wife in front yeah. of him. Yeah. And they, they all recognize Alex when he gets back out of, out of prison and out of his, um, stay in the asylum, right? The mm-hmm. mental asylum, right? Mm-hmm. Alex caused these people pain and they contained that pain. They held on to it, right? But then they start to exhibit it against him in a way. It's interesting because there, there are those who enjoyed it. They, get, they got it out of them. They returned the favor to Alex. Yeah. You did this to me. I'll put this back on you yeah. tenfold. Yeah. And he was being drowned at one point, yeah. beaten, right, by the yeah. cops who yeah. were his druids before. And then the man in the wheelchair torturing Alex, and he was enjoying it. Yeah, for sure. Right? And the other ones were curious. There was a curiosity about this man's pain. Mm -hmm. It also also goes to show that not everyone um, can get away from from their darkness in a way. They all possess it. It seems like all of them had the eye for an eye mentality, too. As much as we try to deny the fact that we have another side to ourselves the side of the shadow you know we really can't deny that there are more than one sides to us yeah you know or these other impulses yeah and we go into Jungian psychology where it's important to understand both aspects of oneself what we like and what we don't like Mm. but i think what really helps with that is really verbalizing or creating language for that other side of ourselves that we tend to really suppress because I think what we're talking about and what they try to do to Alex was suppress those dark impulses yeah. and maybe create a different version of Alex with the lighter impulses that yeah. would, would make people feel more comfortable with him. Yeah. They're trying to delete them out of existence, but that doesn't seem like it's a real possibility. No. Yeah. No, you can't because they, they can delete that out of themselves. Yeah. And then by doing that to Alex, guess what happens? Mm. Alex needs to go back and become the yeah. monster that he once yeah. was yeah. to survive in the society but that was suppressing, oppressing him. He, that's, an inter- that's an interesting line that you say, though, is that uh, about them deleting it out of themselves because... Mm-hmm. They actually, I think uh, many of the people we're referring to in positions of authority do think that they've gotten rid of their dark side. They believe that they are pure and that they are wholly good Mm -hmm. and they don't, they have massive blind spots in that they don't understand the things that they're doing and how those are very evil in themselves, but but that for them it's not and everybody else is evil and so that's a great way to understand the shadow and is that it's also it's often projected onto other people when you're completely blind to it yourself it's the that idea that you know human beings are just supposed to be one thing Mm. you only function as one whole thing when in Jungian psychology and a even common sense, you know, that there's more to one side of a person. Mm-hmm. You can't just 
exhibit just one aspect of yourself and say, this is all me. Yeah. When there's more than yourself, but there's an integration of all of it. Yeah. It's not in a way compartmentalized. Mm. One is more than the other. It's no, this is, you're the whole. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Um, Alex was an extreme. Yeah. At one point. Yeah. He wasn't whole integrated Mm -hmm. in a way. Mm -hmm. He's totally in the shadow. Yeah. But these people are denying that they even have one. For sure. And they attack the one that actually existed in Alex. Yeah. It makes it easier for them to do that. Which is worse. Mm -hmm. That's, I mean, that's, and I think that's part of the question that's being posed with this movie is, is it, you know, who, who is worse? Is it Alex or is it these people in positions of authority in society? I don't know. We go back into our, our earlier conversations when we talked about this film earlier in the week about authenticity Mm. at least alex is being real yeah that's true he's being himself he's exhibiting what he feels but he can shift between one or the other good with his mom and dad he loves him he's not going to harm them it didn't seem like it yeah he he acts out his impulses with sex and with violence and he enjoys beethoven he enjoys beethoven he has another aspect of himself while these other people are repressed in their own right they're probably more cold and sterile and what? kind of plastic. Another scene that we have when we talk about this idea of the hidden, right? The, the repression or even hiding our impulses is a doc. When Alex is waking up from his coma after he jumps out the window, mm. the doctor's having sex with a nurse. Oh, yeah. On, on, on a bed right near Alex. For they're, sure. They're straight up fucking. And the nurse gets up and says, oh, he's waking up. Yeah. Breasts are hanging out, Probably running towards like him. Corrupted society that they're living in. Yeah, but they're hiding the fact yeah. that they're having sex, yeah. right? And then it's like, you can't hide the fact that you actually have these impulses. Mm. Alex that's a good, yeah, that's a good uh, identification there, though, is hiding their the sex uh, from plain sight. Yeah. And that's kind of like a symbol of one of the things they're trying to get people to do in this movie. But they're, fu- they're fucking in a hospital with their clothing on, yeah. doctor and nurse, right near the patients yeah isn't that antisocial as well oh sure they shouldn't be doing that according to the society yeah they should be behind closed doors hiding yeah but they're doing it in a way that's mischievous well the fact that the doctor is messing around with a nurse too it's like there's probably some ethical issues going on there subordinate yeah there's some mischievousness there Mm -hmm. right they should be like you know pure adults and wait till marriage Mm. Right, they shouldn't be acting out these sexual impulses. They should be in, in you know, at their home, Maybe. you know, where they put their beds together. Because in that society, you sleep with your wife, but in two separate beds. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a that was interesting. I, I was. I'm glad that you went there because I think we're getting near the end, and I wanted to talk about the end of this movie. Mm-hmm. So one part before we talk about the very last scene i wanted to ask you before uh when alex is coming out of his coma and he's kind of in his rehab one (laughs) doctor slash psychiatrist i don't know who it is comes in and does a test with him right where they bring i don't know what kind of test is that do you know what it's called i'm not sure it's not like it's sort of like a free association in a way right because she's asking him to say the first thing that comes to his head yeah to fill in the thought bubbles yeah and he's kind of like what is this test for and she's like oh it's just to see how you're progressing like very very vague no clear understanding of what this is for and then but before that i want to point this out too is he mentioned something about having a dream Mm mm-hmm and uh, forget what the dream was about. What does he say? Oh, it's a dream about doctors playing with his brain. He's like, I keep having this dream about doctors playing with my brain, and I want to ask you what's this about. And she gave she gives another kind of nondescript answer and doesn't really. Oh no, that's where she says it. She says when he asked about the dream. She says it's part of the recovery process. And that's a very strange answer, but I think it fits in with this idea of the objective world kind of ruling here because I think something we were just talking about, a person's interpretation of their own dreams is very valuable. 
and something that's supposed to help them in terms of understanding themselves and understanding mm. what's going on inside of themselves. Right. And for him to completely dismiss any chance at interpretation himself mm-hmm. and to rely on the doctor's interpretation, which is it's just part of the recovery process and kind of like say that's it is a very good representation, I would say, of the objective world being the dominating thing and ruling within this universe that we're presented with. But then he goes through this test and he's saying all the answers and it's like, Oh yeah, that's good. And he's kind of laughing and it, it's, it seems like another example where who is this woman to determine if he's healthy or not based off this test that could be arbitrarily ruled in any oh. way that she, she desires. It doesn't seem like there's any standard for it and that you could interpret those those sayings as meaning literally anything if you wanted to from what i was reading right now the test is a neurological exam and a psychological exam but it seems like her i guess understanding his neurological functioning and his um, cognitive functioning is just subjective is what you're saying yeah that's what it seems like it seems like it's up to the doctor or the authority in in this position of What's going? What, but, what makes a healthy versus an unhealthy person? But we trust their opinion because of their authority. We do. Yeah, and that's that's supposed to be just it. Their opinion is trusted because they are the foremost authority yes, of whether he exactly. has a neurological functioning brain, a healthy neurologically functioning brain, or a healthy psychologically functioning brain, yeah. right? That's what I'm talking about. And then she she says, "Oh, you're good. You're yep. good." Yeah. But he's saying some of the most fucked up shit. Yeah. yeah. During during How his free association. I mean, but why is it good? Why is that good? Because he's at least he's not brain dead. Well, that's what I'm saying though. Like, <laughs> what what is making her say that that's good or that 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 he passes the test or whatnot? You know what? I I wouldn't know. But for me, if I was in her shoes, evaluating him. Right, I would say this guy is on that spectrum of antisocial traits. Mm. Yeah, he's antisocial, but he's back to normal functioning. Mm. If there was a history behind him, like yeah, he's functioning as an antisocial person, mm. right? But then the education we have now that if a person is only functioning at that trait, he has some brain damage, right? Yeah. Because if you give a person a neurological test like that and they're emotionally blunted in a way, mm. then you would see, hey, like something they got. A part of the brain was hurt or injured, yeah, right? Yeah. So then that would make this person, you know, blunted in that way. Their Maybe. personality is now affected. Yeah. But the thing is, he found humor in, yeah. in what he was saying. Yeah, he did. He was enjoying what he was saying. Yeah. But is that not a function of a healthy person? <laughs> Someone who's actually enjoying their Maybe. time happy? I don't know. But a person like that would then, the kind of fall that he took and the kind of brain injuries that he took, you'd have to track the person over time to see, mm. are you forgetting mm. things? Yeah, for you sure. Know, you okay. know, are you forgetful? Or okay. Does, does what, how does, how does, you know, do you have the ability to imagine? And that's what he was exhibiting in those mm. moments. He was imagining okay. creating a story. So he still has that ability to create a story. He's okay. not blunted in that yeah. way. Okay. And I think that's probably what they were looking for at okay. that instance. Like, That makes sense. You know, are, are you... Do you pause when you're looking at yeah. that? Can you recognize that that's a man and that's okay. a woman? I you still, know? and, I, and I, I totally get what you're saying. Like that makes sense that that would be what you were doing in that test and what you're looking for. I still think that, that? It, it fits in with this theme that I keep referencing too, in that people in positions of power and authority are kind of able to yeah, make up whatever they that, want, if, that, you know, and, and, and be arbitrary about decisions. I guess it, it's the film really, because in reality, when someone is administered a mental mini exam, yeah, you have markers that you have to hit. You should. To, to, to like, because it's evidence-based at that point. Yeah. And if you hit those markers and we can say, okay, you're fine. Yeah. You're yeah. ready to be discharged. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, well, maybe you still need time and you might need to talk to the neurologist. Yeah. And then you have to go into the CT scan to see where the brain damage is. Yeah. Can you still function verbally yep. and emotionally? Yep. But it's just the film at that point. And going back to the theme that you're saying, 
it's all subjective. Yeah. Everything that we're viewing is subjective. Mm. How he's functioning in the world is subjective mm. because he can act the way his impulses are leading him. Mm-hmm. And he gets away with it. Yeah. Because he knows how to talk. Yeah. Right? That's true. He knows how to get away with things. But it's also living out the fantasy or the darker impulses. Yeah. The darker impulses are, I'm going to cause this person harm because I want to gain something or I want to have sex with this person because I want something from them. So I have to act in a way or say something subjective, mm-hmm. create fantasy with them sure. so I can gain something out yeah. of them. And that is then what ends up happening at the very end when that um, the minister, it's one of the that political guy you were referencing in the yeah. earlier scene in the when they were kind of like observe, observing with a psychiatrist mm-hmm. as he comes to his hospital bed. And I don't know if you caught this this is i think i've watched this movie a couple of times but the fact of him giving him all these lies and telling him about like how things are gonna go and how he's gonna be kind of like the spokesperson for like their political party and stuff yeah yeah meanwhile he's feeding him right spoon feeding him yeah and putting the i was like this is amazing I, i i never picked up on that but the fact that they put those two things together and he's just like he's eating it all up yeah like literally and figuratively and he's taking it all in then he questions it at one moment he says something yeah and he questions that and he's like yeah yeah, yeah. he thinks about it then he opens his mouth yeah. wide like oh it's yeah. like no put it put and it but in. this yeah. is a i mean this, it's such a great ending because not only is it confirming that he's completely giving up all of his choice in life yeah even even he's done it he's already kind of gone down that path right yeah Yeah. but this is confirming that he's no longer trying to choose he's just going to do what people want him to do and he's going to be a pawn for the political party yeah he's going to get a great job he's promised a great job a good pension yeah but it's also the the guy this political guy is stating we're going to say that you're healthy. We're yeah. going to say that you're a good guy yeah. and that everything is fine as long as you listen to what we say. Mm-hmm. And so it's going back to this other idea of I keep talking about of the objective world and like what they say or what they tell us ends up becoming truth. Right. And even though it's completely off from what the truth is, we have to listen to it because the they are telling us it is the truth. And that's the objective world that's kind of dictating things. People nowadays function in that kind of way even today where there are certain situations where you understand that there's a real reality that there's something that does happen Mm -hmm. and then there's something that you know you're being told to believe without questioning that kind of reality but if the rest of society is conforming with those ideologies of hey you know this is wrong why am i being spoon-fed these ideas Mm. what is the outside factor what is the gain from Mm. this will you gain compliance from this Mm. if you do what we say we give you what you need and that gives a that creates a well-functioning machine society then (laughs) but if if, but if you are the type of person that has critical thought and say Mm. hey that's not okay yeah like why am i being told to take this on to put this in yeah exactly or to believe this you know what's strange what is really happening Mm. well you can't question it Mm -hmm. because the rest of society is saying Mm. we're all doing this now and that's scary because then where is the reality of you have free will, Alex. You should be able to function on your own, make I your mean, own choices. But if you do that, you might not survive in society today. That's a good point because maybe what you're getting at too is uh, what the political party there is doing is going down a dystopian road where they're trying to get everybody to agree on everything and for there to be nothing but objective truth. And so what happens then is, isn't that... A, a kind of a case for free will being taken away you have to have a balance of both you can't just have objective truth you would say you can't just have subjective hope. truth either 
right? Because like subject subjectivism actually helps with creativity. Oh, it helps sure. with understanding, looking at things from a different perspective, developing new kinds of technology and ideas. Yep. We need intuitive thought. We need imagination, mm-hmm. but we also need to understand limitations. Mm-hmm. We also need to understand how far can we go with this sort of idea. Yep. You know, does this affect others? Yeah. Does this affect me? Yep. You know, so there has to always be a balance of both because we see that one extreme can't really function in society. I think Alex was more successful when he was himself during the day. Mm-hmm. At least during the day, he understood both. Yeah. He he got to exhibit some of his impulses sexually yeah. in a healthy manner yeah. and was able to actually function with other people. For sure. All he needed really to do, and from what I thought, was maybe go to school, get a good job, and still act out the impulses in a healthy manner yeah. rather than the extreme that we had at night. Yeah, definitely. Maybe yeah. had some good therapy would have helped. But... <laughs> Possibly. Yeah. Well... We're, you know, this is one of the longer ones we've done so far, but I think it makes sense because this was a really good conversation. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think we both had a lot of good things to say. And yeah, this is just a fascinating film. And I'm looking forward to talking about a couple more Kubrick films. Yeah. What are we doing for the next one? Well, I think we're going to end up doing... um, Full Metal Jacket Whoa. and okay. Barry Lyndon, I believe. I have never seen that film, so I'm looking forward to that. I haven't either. We're going to do both of those at some point. Okay. But next week, we're going to do Melancholia. Nice. So okay. that, lo- that looks interesting. I've never seen that film before. I don't think you have either. No, I haven't. It's a. It seems like another symbolic film. Um, so it, I think it will be right up our alley in terms of these conversations we're having. So, I look forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it too. Thank you for the scintillating conversation. <laughs> it was a very good conversation. Yeah. Very great. Good good times, man. I'm glad we're doing this. It's fun. Uh, I guess, enjoy your week. This has been Deconstructing the Psyche. This is Michael. This is Heyman. And we'll see you again next time. Take care. Bye. Bye.